This year, as we've been preparing to celebrate the incarnation of Christ, we've done so under the three-week theme, Away in a Manger, when God was going to make a way for you and I to be restored to what He intended us to be, He began in a manger in Bethlehem. And so thus far we've seen that that teaches us several things. First, God's work often begins very quietly in small, almost indiscernible ways at the fringes or the margins of society. Secondly, we've seen that if we're going to discover God's way and walk in God's way, we have to follow His precise directions. God has called us to obey Him, not invent something for Him. And today, we're going to see the third and final piece of God's way. We're going to see that it unfolded in perfect timing. Our text is one often read this time of the year. It's Galatians from the New Testament, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. When the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons." I've entitled today's teaching, Worth the Wait. Let's look to the Lord together in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, in these coming moments, enable me to declare Your truth appropriately and enable each one of us, no matter our age, to hear that piece of Your truth that is most needed at this point in our life. Help us to understand it. Help us to know it's from You. Help us to apply it so that we can become the people You want us to be. Not so that You might love us, but because You love us already. And as always, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And as we study God's Word together this morning, may the Lord be with you. When I was a child, and I know what you're thinking, that was a long time ago. When I was a child, the night before Christmas always felt like the longest night of the year. My parents customarily made us go to bed early so that they could prepare things downstairs, and that made the night seem even longer. And I can remember lying in bed, wide awake, listening carefully, listening for some noise that would give away the identity of one of the presents I was going to unwrap in the morning. It was always a difficult night for two reasons. First of all, like any child, I was eager for Christmas morning so that I could open the presents that were intended for me. But beyond that, and I'm not just trying to sound spiritual here, I was more excited about watching my mom and my dad open the presents that I had purchased for them. I wanted to see their reaction, and I wanted them to be blessed and to be pleased. Now, the presents I bought for my parents during the years when I was between 8 and 12 years old, those were never expensive items. Our last name was Dilliman, not Kardashian, not Trump, 
not Gates, not Buffett. And when you were 8, 9, 10, 11, you didn't have deep pockets. Those were my poverty years. Little did I know that they were going to continue for decades. <laughs> so the things I bought were rather inexpensive. I, I generally bought my dad inexpensive aftershave. Some of you will remember Aqua Velva, <laughs> Old Spice, Brute. And here's a trip down memory lane, high karate. Yeah. Yeah, everybody under 30 thinks I'm talking in tongues right now. They're, they're waiting for the interpretation. See, I couldn't afford one of those colognes that would make my dad look like a chiseled Greek god with a loincloth and a bow and arrow, a room full of vestal virgins waiting for him to arrive. No, I couldn't afford that. It was brute. And for mom, I generally got inexpensive cosmetic items, a nail file, eyeliner, pencil set, and so on. But for me, those were big gifts, and I couldn't wait to see mom and dad open them. And waiting for that moment, tried my patience, or maybe I should say revealed my impatience. Now that I'm an adult, or at least trying to be one, my wife will tell you I still suffer from some of that same impatience when I have bought a gift for somebody. I find it really difficult to wait for the precise moment when they should unwrap the gift I've purchased. And I've been known to suggest that people open their birthday gift a day or two early, or that Karen open an anniversary gift a day or two early, or to suggest that we open two items on Christmas Eve. I just have a difficult time waiting. Now, that's probably all selfish on my part, but perfection isn't a requirement for people in my line of work, and I'm still a work in progress. This is a time of the year when we hear that refrain, making a list and checking it twice. Well, if you were to make a list of all the emotional and spiritual maladies and dysfunctions that rob us of the abundant life God intended for us, you would find that list to be a rather lengthy one. And every one of us in this room would suffer from our own unique combination of those maladies. Nobody's list would be identical to another's. But I think you would agree that there is one temptation that we all struggle with, one that visits us often. Whether we're small children in the back seat of the car saying, are we there yet? When we're only four blocks from home. Or adult followers of Jesus saying, God, are we there yet? When we're waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. All of us struggle with impatience. And we come by it naturally, very naturally. I don't know if you've ever thought of it in these terms, but impatience is in the spiritual DNA of fallen humanity. It moved our first ancestors, Adam and Eve, to forfeit paradise, and it often moves us to forfeit God's peace. That's why we readily applaud patience, but struggle mightily to actually practice it. And we don't get any help in this matter of patience 
from the culture that we find ourselves living in. Because in our culture, immediate gratification is one of the most common addictions. The spiritual discipline of constructive waiting is no longer valued. Lengthy process is barely tolerated. And the search for shortcuts is something of a national obsession. We want a washboard stomach and rock-hard abs in just 15 minutes a day. We want to take a pill and sign up for a diet, diet program that'll leave us looking like a model or a stealer linebacker in the matter of just a few weeks. We want intimacy without covenant, maturity without time, advancement without a track record, wealth without work, because we feel we're entitled to those things. The entitlement mentality sets every one of us up to be very, very impatient. You might say, characterizing our culture, we want destinations, we don't want journeys. We want product, we don't want process. But the truth is, the harder we work at immediate gratification, the more gratification eludes us altogether. Now, why is that? Because when you demand immediate results and immediate gratification, you are establishing a spiritual stronghold of impatience in your soul and in your mind. And that spiritual stronghold, like every spiritual stronghold, will rob you of the very thing you are seeking. And gratification eludes you altogether. Impatience has been defined simply as a dislike of anything that causes delay. The dislike of anything that causes delay. And if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you need to recognize that if you dislike anything that causes delay, then you risk disliking God. Because God often permits delays in our lives, and on many occasions, he actually plans delays for us. Now, why is that? Is it because he wants to jack us around and make it clear who's in charge? No, he doesn't need to do that. God does it because he sees the big picture. As somebody once put it, we see our life one frame at a time. But God, who is not bound by time, who lives in the eternal present, God's already seen the entire movie. And his decisions and his plans are made in light of that knowledge. As a result, God doesn't react to need. He doesn't watch to see what's going to happen and then come up with a plan. God anticipates our needs, and he plans accordingly. He knows what's coming next, and his plan was made in light of that knowledge. And that's what occurred in the birth of our Messiah. The world waited centuries for the promise to be fulfilled. Remember, the promise was first uttered when Adam and Eve fell. That's when the first prophecy was made that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. So how long did the world wait? How many believers died saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? 
only to find that indeed they were not. Why such a long delay? Why didn't Jesus come a thousand years earlier? Well, we don't have all the answers to all those questions, but we do know this. God has perfect knowledge, perfect power, and everything he does is an expression of his perfect love. So if there was a better time, God would have known of it. In his power, he would have unfolded it in that moment, and in his love, he would have selected that time. So the time when Jesus finally came, we can rest assured, was the result of a perfect plan made in light of our real need, not our perceived need. And it unfolded at the perfect time based on God's complete knowledge of all the relevant factors, things that you and I weren't privy to and things that you and I could not have understood. See, that phrase, the fullness of time, doesn't refer to the moment when humanity was ready. It refers to the moment when God was ready. Because God acts when he's ready, not when I'm ready. That would be a real simple takeaway today. God acts when he's ready, not when we're ready. And what he did at the manger is what he wants to do on a daily basis in your life and in mine. Some of you have read the accounts of George Mueller, a great spokesman for the Christian faith in the 19th century. When Mueller was a young man, he felt God had given him a vision, God had given him a dream, that he would have an international influence for the cause of Christ, that he would proclaim God's gospel internationally. But after several attempts to move in that direction, he was continually frustrated and he just gave up and assumed it must have been his own idea and not a true vision from God. And then at age 67, 67, at a time when people didn't live as long as they live today, suddenly his dream came to fruition. And over the next 20 years, from 67 to 87, he became one of the best-known international spokesmen for the gospel of Christ. Now, the long wait that preceded Jesus' arrival reminds us of a very important spiritual dynamic, and it's really simple. Here it is. God's delays are not denials. When God delays something in your life, it doesn't mean he's saying no. Delay is not denial. If he has stirred a vision within your heart, if he has generated a hunger within your soul, the thing you're hungering for, the thing you have seen through the Holy Spirit will eventually unfold. But most times it'll be later than what you anticipated. And the wait will prove to be worth it. Because when you have to take a long and winding road to a dream, it increases the enjoyment once you arrive because you're better prepared to recognize its benefits and better prepared to recognize the new responsibilities that it's going to entail. In Mueller's case, while he was waiting, he spent several decades ministering to orphans in London. Now, a neat thing about George Mueller he never advertised needs. He never formally sought support. All he did was pray. And for over 30 years, he ministered to thousands of children 
doing nothing but praying. For example, he would do things like have the children be seated for breakfast and give thanks for the food they were about to partake of, knowing he had not a scrap of food in the orphanage. And then after they had prayed and thanked God for the food they were about to eat, there would be a knock at the door from a baker who had just completed his deliveries and had leftover baked goods, and then a milkman who had just completed his delivery and had leftover milk. Didn't want it to spoil in those days, so they gave it to the children, and the children learned valuable lessons about calling upon the Lord. He did this decade after decade after decade. So when at age 67, God set him up for international influence, he had a powerful testimony to share, a powerful platform from which to speak, and great stories that underline the truth of the gospel. You see, during the delay, God was preparing him for the responsibility. We always say around here that God's good all the time, and all the time God is good. And if that's so, and it is, then there have to be benefits when God delays our dreams and our desires. So let me suggest a few of them to you as you embark upon a new year where you're going to encounter not only God ordering your steps, but God ordering your stops. First of all, blessings are best experienced when they're spread out over time, like a rich Christmas dessert that tastes much better two hours after dinner than immediately after you finish the main course and you're stuffed to the gills, God reserves some things for act three. God's always got something out there ahead of you to energize your life and to make it a continuing adventure. He spreads things out over time. See, when we're young, we tend to desire all of life's treasures at once. As we grow older, we realize that some things get better with time, with delay. Secondly, waiting puts many things in the right perspective. We are tempted to believe that if God would just grant us a certain thing we desire, that would cure everything that ails us. All of our dissatisfactions would be done with. But that's a myth. Because no event will ever produce lasting joy in your life. Because joy is not circumstantial. Joy is relational. Joy isn't determined by what's happening around you. Joy is determined by who is dwelling within you. And if God is dwelling in you by His Spirit, you can have joy in any circumstance. If He isn't, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You won't have joy. Waiting helps us to grasp that distinction and actually increase our joy quotient so that we expect less of our circumstances and expect more of God, which is a wise way to live. Furthermore, waiting enables us to recognize the blessings we already have. As you've been waiting on something, have you ever heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say, now you keep focusing on what you don't have. Let's look for a moment at what's already in your hand. Have you had that experience? See, then you come to a deeper appreciation of the things God has already given you. Those who waited for the first arrival of Jesus 
were able to live with hope because they had an ironclad promise from God. Those of us who are awaiting the second coming of Jesus can live with hope because we have an ironclad promise from God. And hope is necessary for abundant living. Hope for God's next installment is what makes life invigorating, and that's a gift God has given you now while you wait. Another thing, as I've already hinted, waiting prepares us for the responsibilities that accompany our dream. Because any dream, once it's realized, has got to bring new responsibilities. And we're all tempted to think, oh, when that happens, I'm ready to do my part. But most of the time, we're not. So God does us a favor. He gives us time to get ready. And waiting prepares us to see how our dream fits into the bigger picture. Because remember, when God's at work, it's never just about you or me. It's about the world. And he wants us to be thinking in terms of the needs of others, not just our own needs. And his timing is based upon what he's going to do through us for others, not just what he's going to do in us for we ourselves. Waiting nurtures anticipation. And anticipation has a value all its own. Do you know there is great joy in anticipation? Anticipation can stimulate you to greater devotion to God. Anticipation is a motivator to seek the Lord as you await the fulfillment of your dream. And God wants you to learn the joy not only of receiving, God wants you to learn the joy of anticipating. There are people here who were just recently married, and I was privileged to conduct their covenant ceremony. And I think if you ask them, was there any joy in the days leading up to your ceremony? Was there any joy in the anticipation? That their answer would be, yes, there was a lot of joy in the anticipation. And finally, Waiting often increases God's blessing. Did you know that? Now, that's biblical. That's not wishful thinking. In Isaiah 61, 1, and Zechariah 9, verse 12, two verses that all of you have memorized, I'm sure, we're told that there is a doubling of joy whenever God's people have to wait for a promise. When you have to wait, God doubles the joy. Now, a great case in point this time of year is the priest Zechariah. As a priest, Zechariah had waited decades for that day when his name would be called to actually serve in the temple in Jerusalem because that honor only befell the average priest once in his lifetime. So for decades, Zechariah made the long trip to Jerusalem to see if he was going to be called, only to discover, not this year, and go back home. And then the next year, the journey, no, not this year, back home. He had waited decades. But you see, God had more in store for him than one day in the temple. God was going to make him late in life, the father of John the Baptist, the greatest of all the prophets and the forerunner of Jesus himself. So one day after decades, Zechariah shows up and his name is called. 
but a lot more than that happened. The angel Gabriel appeared to him and told him he was going to have a son, and that son was going to be the promised forerunner of the Messiah. And the angel made it clear that God had doubled Zechariah's blessing because of all the years he had waited and prayed and prayed and waited. And Zechariah's experience reminds us that once God steps in, our lives change in a second. It only takes one second for God to radically change everything in your life. He can change your destiny in the space of a single day. Because isn't that what he did in the manger? On that one single day, the destiny of God's creation was changed forever. So, this season, let Christmas serve as a reminder that God's delays are not denials. They're always based on his perfect love for you. He'll never do you wrong. They're always based on his perfect knowledge. He's aware of all the relevant factors. They're always based on his perfect power. And his blessings for you will always unfold in the fullness of time. God's seldom early, but he's never late. If he's birthed a vision in your heart, hold on, hold fast, hold out, and wait for the fullness of time. And while you're waiting, enjoy the journey. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we all suffer from impatience. We didn't have to take a course in it. We just come by it naturally. We are gifted in that regard. But Lord, walking with you involves waiting, trust, faith, confidence that you know, that you love, that you're capable, and that you're running right on time. Your time, not ours. Lord, the year ahead of us will offer us many opportunities to be impatient, <laughs> countless opportunities to be anxious. But as we walk away from the manger, help us to remember your delays are not your denials. Help us to praise you and enjoy the journey and increase the celebration when we arrive at the destination. And I pray these things for us all in Jesus' great name. Amen.